0: And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Mandy Cavanaugh's passion for leadership, entrepreneurship, and helping people thrive has fueled her roles as CEO, consultant, and facilitator. Her businesses have spanned global lodging logistics, land development, manufacturing, corporate leadership seminars, and turnaround consulting. Mandy succeeds in highly competitive environments by connecting each of her team members to their best future self. She holds various coaching certifications and has conducted seminars on high performance, authentic success, conscious language, imagination activation, conflict resolution, corporate soul retrieval, CEO-ship for startups, sales, team building, and wealth wisdom for women. Hi, Mandy. It is so good to have you here on Diversity Dish today. Thanks, Sadie. I look forward to talking. This is so exciting. It really is exciting. I, I find every time I'm getting ready to do a, a podcast interview, I get super excited about my guests because they're all so varied and same. No, nothing is different with you. So it's great to have you. Uh, before we get into the what I like to call the meat and potatoes, because you know we're on diversity dish, I'd like for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. So if you wouldn't mind, could you tell us what is it that you're passionate about right now? Oh, that's a good one. I am passionate about reviewing
1: and restoring my skills in conscious language. So I was a a conscious language coach for a while. I used it in my business and with my family, and all it means is speaking consciously and you know connecting to source with what we say like saying things as though what you say is a sacred prayer and i got kind of sloppy i noticed in my speaking um maybe even the title of my book i just started seeing my results shift my relationships my empowerment my ability to create the results or the relationships that i want and i knew it had to do with my languaging and it just kind of got dim a little bit over the last year. And I don't know if it was the pandemic or the lockdown. We we can't blame everything. Uh, we can't.
0: <laughs> we can. If we, we want to. Everything. We can.
1: <laughs> it just, I got lazy. So I've started um, training with my, one of my mentors again. And so what I'm passionate about, how that ties in is I'm passionate about, I'm pivoting already from assisting feminine entrepreneurs primarily, which is what I did in the past as a coach to leadership in general and i'm creating a manual for source leadership institute and it just helps us be aware when we're connected to that creative force that you know infinite power and whether we're working for the good of humanity or otherwise with our you know intentions and our projects and things like that so so what i'm passionate about is assisting leaders to be responsible for what they're creating in the people who are listening to them by their language and the way that they state problems. And, you know, let's get away from all the separation. And ultimately we'd like to get away from some of the labeling and separation, but, you know, we've got, right. to do. and it's difficult for me to intellectualize things like, you know certain topics. So I don't pretend to be an expert at that. I just want whatever your expertise is, I'd like to turbocharge it with your language.
0: Right. I've never heard of what you just said, which is conscious language. I've never heard that term before. So thank you for that. that, that that's really cool. Pleasure. And I think that it's great that you're passionate about that because I do think that language is so important. It's really interesting because just this morning I was editing a, a podcast interview and I was feeling a little uncomfortable with it. Not that the conversation was bad or anything, but I started to realize that the language I was using was very heteronormative and I and it was making me uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I'm thinking if it's making me uncomfortable, I think it might make others uncomfortable. So I'm actually thinking, I might have to re, redo that interview um, and, and, and let them know why, but it's important. Language is so important. So I love that. Now, when you say conscious language, consciously, do you mean consciously thinking about the words and the phrases that we use?
1: Actually, I'm, I'm referring to the level of consciousness that is being created or supported when a person speaks. So it's about levels of consciousness.
0: I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. so, so it's, it's kind of like your vibration.
1: It is like that. And your your field of expertise is thinking about the words, part of it, I saw from your website, which by the way, is spoken very consciously, it appears. So you're a natural. <laughs> Thank if, all, you. if all the leaders on the planet were like you, we'd be in good shape. Um, and I'm not grading. I just noticed it. Um, so the fact that you think about what you say and you realize that it has power is you know, obviously 90% of the, you're creating it, this consciousness, you know, this conscious awareness, let's say, because isn't right. part of how we're speaking and how we're thinking sometimes a result of
0: programming or lack of awareness? Things yes. Like that. Hey, how would it feel to use your talents in the cause of social justice? It's no secret that Black, Indigenous, queer, people of color, or those who are part of any marginalized group don't get a fair shake, experience systemic racism, and must work harder for the same rights and privileges that white people receive just by virtue of their race. We also know it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes that can get overwhelming. Where do we start to make a real difference? What we know we need are upstanders and advocates, people ready to stand up, take action, and spend their privilege to help others. If that's you, I want to invite you on a discovery date with me. Discovery date is a full day immersion in your passions, talents, and desires to help you create a blueprint of powerful, focused action where you'll make the most impact. On your date, we'll discover your strengths, we'll find your lane, and we'll begin your journey. It's just that simple. Discovery Dates with Sadie. If you want to know more, just go to cedrolamaruska.com backslash discovery dates. Hey, what are you waiting for? Come on over. I'm waiting for you.
1: So when you become more aware, you're automatically on a learning journey to deprogram yourself. And that's when the language becomes second nature, right? Because your thinking has shifted. I've noticed for me, when I want to have a breakthrough in a certain area, the first thing that I need to shift is my language about it. People used to say, oh, your thought, well, I've heard people say your thoughts affect your reality. Well, of course they do, but thoughts are kind of They can be overridden by language. And if we say it in a decree, we say it with feeling, we say it with, you know, as an assertion, we're committing or choosing that new outcome. So it's not just about complaining about what we don't like. It's about stating, you know, it's the, I have a dream, right? It's
0: That's right. It's about stating what we do want. It's like what, it's like when people say what you focus on grows. So it's about focusing on those areas that you really want to see grow whether it's in your life, whether it's in the world, no matter what it is, focus on those things and you'll see those things grow. That is
1: it. And so what if all of our leaders were doing that instead of kind of what? What (laughs) And I feel like humanity, at least in certain areas, is surpassing, what institutional leaders have the capacity to to do with their language? They it, it's like these institutions are kind of crumbling under their own weight. And if they would shift the focus, well, if we could, anyway, I don't want to get into
0: <laughs> get into all of that. No, it's great. It's you know, great. You
1: can tell when somebody is speaking. Uh, well, they're using language. They're using catchphrases, and they're they're capturing people's attention with these catchphrases. But it's it's what happens between the lines and when they're not trying to get elected, et cetera, you know, it's, yes. How do we create a world of modern diplomacy where we can sit down and speak consciously without pointing fingers and and say, this is what would work better.
0: Yes. Right. Being open to the information that's coming and going that the flow of information so that everyone can learn with that flow of information that's one of the reasons why I started Diversity Dish was because I felt that there needed to be conversations where people are actually going back and forth. If there's a flow of information versus um, stopping the information from 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 getting out there in whatever way that happens, right? It's very
1: motivating for me to read your website. And to, and, and the work that you've done when I first met you um, to, it called me forth, you know, and I want more. So that's leadership and you're doing it. You're calling me into a topic I didn't think I needed to really do a lot more deep work in. And I am going to do more deep work. So thank you.
0: Wow. Thank you. (laughs) It's not often you get someone to say something like that. And you're not, you're not even thinking that that's what you're doing, right? You're just thinking that you're putting something out, but you're not, you know, and you would like to draw people, but you're not sure if that's happening (laughs) for me. (laughs) Well, that's so awesome. Well, thank you. So as we move on, move into, I love what you're passionate about. I love that it is inclusive because I sincerely believe that um, inclusion and equity is more important to a lot of things than saying diversity, because when we say diversity, we can, we can drown. And even though I call this diversity dish, I just love the name anyway, my, I love the equity and inclusion because that is where we have that language. That is where we actually can communicate and allow others to communicate in order to understand what's happening with each person and also understand what can be happening to, you know, in the world outside. So here's a really quick and easy question and this is just so that we also get to know you. I don't know if it's quick and easy actually. It's quick and easy for me to ask <laughs> but for you to answer. But it's what's the difference that you feel you want to make in the world?
1: I would like to see I'm going to draw on your distinction about inclusion. OK, yeah, that really is a word that I hadn't used much, um, although it's the concept that I was working with. And that is to get a new way of looking at things as seat at the table. And it just so happens to be whether you're a male or a female, it happens to be a feminine perspective. And go for it. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that, you know, we can't just go into an organization and count, I call it counting the vaginas. We can't just go into an organization and count the women and say that's diversity. Right. It's not, and it's not even about equality 50, 50 for me. It's what it is for me at this, my, my micro agenda is about the softer, receptive, holistic, intuitive, uh, compassionate viewpoint, getting heard at every table of leadership around the world. And and that goes for political, social, et cetera, business. And it doesn't even need to be because it is so powerful. You know, if somebody said, well, what, what, if you don't want 50-50, because business is is a sport, right? It is a competitive sport. We live in a capitalist system. Even socialist countries, they they rely on productivity somewhere. So at the end of the day, business, if you want to talk about business, it's competitive. So I don't know if a feminine energy is effective at a 50-50 ratio. I'm not saying it's not either, but I, I really like the idea of just saying, you know, take the people who are a little more of a, of a quiet thought leader. They're more, it doesn't have to be quiet. I don't want to trigger any like reaction, but you could be loud as hell, but I'm, I'm saying a feminine perspective at the table, whether it's a male embodying that energy, a female, but it's just that other way of looking at things like, Hey people, we haven't looked at this unintended consequence. Like nobody's talking about the 800 pound gorilla in the room and a feminine perspective will do that. And it's so easy with the way our hierarchical structures are built, which worked for creating production. It worked for creating innovation, et cetera, I think in the the early days, in industrial age and things like that. But now information is coming in so fast, you have got to go beyond the linear left brain way of looking at things, or you simply won't survive as a business. And the antidote to that, I believe, is to bring a feminine perspective. And then conversely, or a corollary to that, I should say, is that if you want more of a feminine perspective at the highest levels, which is what my goal is, uh, because I think we could solve some of the world's problems if we had that, you know, we got a lot of gain from a masculine perspective, but let's bring in that balance, right? So in order to get that in business, you have to organize the business a different way. And, I was dumbfounded that here I am I started writing the book five years ago and then when I started, decided to finally finish it and publish it last year I was looking at the research and nothing's really changed at the sea level mm-hmm. st- strategy level uh, the policy the high level policy nothing's really changed as far as feminine representation and and I write in the book that you know you should start your own business because it's not it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon all the consultants, the researchers that I read about, they said that it's not really a glass cliff, a glass ceiling. It's a glass cliff, and they gave so many different reasons for that glass cliff. And you can start to see the pattern of what it really is. And it's women are just opting out because they won't. Feminine figures are saying, "I'm not going to continue on with the uh, the pressure, you know, the overwork, etc. Because it's affecting the other areas of my life, and then I'm becoming less effective. Men are physically, I guess, built different and handle the pressure differently, but it's also culturally expected for them to be, uh, in a culture of overwork. And so until we put a stop to that and until we include, uh, like we go out of our way to include a feminine perspective, and that doesn't mean like I used to be super masculine as a female, it doesn't mean a bunch of me sitting at the table. It means who's that, who's that person, uh, that is an expert at customer service, that really knows what it's like to be one of our customers or one of our employees, you know, on the inside. Those are the feminine figures. Bring them to the highest, bring them to the board meetings, bring them to the C-level suite, and they won't get there, they won't get promoted through the traditional routes. Right. Because it's a a competition and it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And there's, again, nothing wrong with it, but you have to add this other piece if you really want inclusion. Right. Cause not going to show up. They won't get promoted. In fact, the glass ceiling is actually the first level of management and I've seen it in my own company until I started researching to finish my book. I didn't even realize that I was promoting women who o- only women who were embodying masculine characteristics. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, okay, I want the girly girl to use a phrase, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I want that girl sitting at the table. I want to hear, what do you see? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that you competed to get to the next level but i, I want to value that let's cherish that, that right
0: yeah i agree i think that the theme, the feminine perspective is definitely needed but i you know i i sincerely believe that that feminine energy can come from anywhere and anyone and you know anyone who embodies those characteristics that are needed at the table need to be at the table
1: yeah
0: but also I think that sometimes when we talk about feminism or we talk about the feminine, we talk about the female, we leave out the black perspective because there is intersectionality when we're talking about women and we're talking about feminism. There is historically black women have not only fought for women, which feminism has tended to be more fighting for women, but women who embody a certain type a certain type of woman and black women have always been like, yes, I would like this, but because I'm also a black woman and there are these other things that, that come upon me. um, I have a different type of feminism that needs to be acknowledged and that sometimes is not acknowledged and same for a native American woman or an Asian woman or a Latin woman. And so I often shy away from the feminism deal because I wonder if it doesn't leave behind the most vulnerable, those people who are really not considered when we're talking about the C-suite or sitting at the table. Um, I,
1: I, I see that. Like I see as a white woman that I'm going after white male power and that I'm leaving out a whole bunch of other, you know, perspectives. And I need to be reminded of that. And I thank you for that because, you know, I had so much inertia going in that direction. And just recently in the last year, have I seen what you're talking about? And so I haven't even incorporated it into my, my life yet. You know, I live in a relatively, um, not a very diverse area. I grew up in a very diverse area. So it's in my, I guess it's in my blood to value diversity, but I'm not practicing it actively. Like how to be, how to implement what you just said, you know, I have yet to grapple with that topic. You know, how do I as a business leader bring people in and value that and include that without calling attention to the fact that that's who you are, you know, because up until recently, I would have seen that as discrimination. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I would right. have been like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to point you out like that. I just want it to be like, Oh, you're just here. Cause you're brilliant. You know? So, it's, but, but you know,
0: and that's okay. to do. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but I think that it's also okay. If you are bringing people into the organization, not because of the way they look, but because of their brilliance, and they just happen to look the way they look, right? But then also valuing, which is the inclusion, valuing their perspective, allowing them, giving them a space where they can actually be fully themselves, right? I know you talk a little bit about authenticity and your, your full self, where they can be fully themselves and bring fully Their thoughts and ideas and those thoughts and ideas are naturally going to be different than everybody else's without you having to say, okay, well, you're the black person in the room, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're the Asian person in the room, right? That's not necessary. I think that becomes something that happens because, because people don't understand inclusion. They don't understand allowing people to be fully themselves at work. So that they can say, and and so that they can feel comfortable knowing that when they say this may be the case, this may affect this group of the population or this, this hits me in this way. And someone else says, you know what? I would have never thought of it that way. Let's dig into that a little bit more.
1: I'm with you hundred percent. And there's a section in my book where I talk about going into corporations as a supplier And, and we're talking about corporations that are, that win awards for diversity programs. And I highly respect these organizations and I don't know that I could do it any better. However, I do remember walking in and feeling like everybody kind of has to think and talk the same. And I'd like to see some, you know, that's what I love about being a small business owner is you can. You can honor different kinds of personalities, perspectives, and things like that. Now, bringing it into what you're talking about, race and background and things like that, that's a whole other level for me um, to consciously do what you just said. Uh, but certainly, I've witnessed it in very large corporations where conformity is very much valued, even though subconsciously, even though diversity is a commitment.
0: Right. And, and, and you're right about that. You're very right about that. Um, because what tends to happen in some of these companies is they're looking at numbers, right? And, and they're looking at numbers and they're saying, yes, we've gotten this many people in, in with this background and we've done this much business with companies that are owned by, by women or by um, marginalized groups. We're, we're doing great. But what they haven't looked at is the culture. What they haven't looked at is those people are coming in, but how comfortable are they really in that company? How they're, they're, they're not looking at the dynamics, they're simply looking at the numbers. And looking at the numbers can be very deceiving. You know, it can say, yes, this, this company is doing great as far as diversity, because they've got the percentages right they've checked those boxes, but when you go in and you look at the culture, no one is allowed to be fully themselves and people are still hiding who they are so that they can keep that job at that very diverse company.
1: Right. I see it. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And, uh, You know, I was just thinking while you're talking about that, I was imagining maybe if we borrow from, I don't know if it would be an appropriation, but if we borrowed from cultures or were inspired by cultures that bring, you know, the, the shaman to the table or the priest to the, you know, the priestess to the table and they have to bless that thing that's going to happen, or, you know, they give a perspective and they don't have the, they don't, they're not a programmer, you know, they're not whatever that company does for a living. They don't Mm -hmm. build. Ships or or planes, but they have somebody come in and say, you know, this is this is an artist's perspective, or this is whatever. You know, right? Perhaps we could do that.
0: Yeah, wouldn't it be interesting if it (laughs) (laughs) it if somebody walked in and said, "Oh, the 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 aura uh, here is not feeling very good." If you put the
1: Native Americans on the board of the energy companies, right?
0: How much more? How much more? Um, how much more equitable, how much more compassionate could those companies be? Because there's this perspective in the room that says, if you do that, this is how it's going to affect these people. Mm -hmm. I know, because I am one of them. And this is how it would affect me. And so can we look at that instead of having a bunch of people who are saying, Hey, look, this, this, this is empty. This is open. Let's just do whatever we want. And people not having that voice to say, yeah, that's probably not the best idea. Um, which is why, you know, when I talk about, when I talk about racism and I, and I talk about the cost, the cost is so high to everyone, everyone. And in so many areas, environmental being one, But in so many areas. And so it's, it's one of those things where you just think you're like, okay, I really want people to hear what is happening. But if they're not hearing it in their in their boardrooms or like in the boardrooms that where the decisions are being made, and then these things go out, it's, it's an invisibility that happens. Right. It's like, yeah. well, we 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 only know this perspective. We're gonna go with this perspective, but there's such a larger perspective of people that are affected by decisions that are made in those boardrooms.
1: You make a very good point that people don't understand the costs of disenfranchisement in general. Yeah. Which is what I think the invisibility leads to ultimately. Yeah. It, it, it takes generations to really bring that or at least one generation to bring that back in a best case scenario. And it's really based in over being overly competitive, I think with each other and not realizing the cost. Mm -hmm. You you said it. I, that's a huge distinction for me, Mm -hmm. not realizing the cost.
0: Yeah. And thinking
1: that payoff is better is the payoff is worth it.
0: Right. Because what usually happens is the payoff is not necessarily going to affect me or my family adversely and the payoff that affects someone else adversely. Well, I'm not sure that that's as important, right? So when we talk about, we talk about authenticity, bringing authentic people, bringing our authentic selves to, to the boardroom, to the table, to, you know, in, how do you think that's possible?
1: I think it is giving up looking like you know something like you know everything and thinking that in order to preserve your position or your responsibility that you have to be seen as somebody who knows everything there is to know. You know it's this glamorization of the subject matter expert. Right? And a lack of curiosity. It's right, you have to be curious. And so um, to be curious, like I know something, I just said that like an expert, <laughs> I think the antidote, <laughs> the antidote, uh, to, um, a lack of authenticity is curiosity.
0: Right. But Let's take a look at that for a little bit. When we're going to go with women and we're going to go with white women because, there's there's differences here. When a white woman goes in to a boardroom, how easy is it for her to be authentic, to be able to ask those questions and not need to look like the expert?
1: I'm in a small to medium business. I'm headquartered in Texas. It's a little bit, you know, there are different kinds of cultures around. So I can't speak for every white woman. Obviously. Sure. And I can't, I'm even trying to create a context, uh, and qualify my answer, but my answer is, in my experience, that they are in the South, not as likely to be authentic. Right. Um, I've seen it in other environments where it's quite easy for them, but it still comes from, like, the world of thinking. They're saying, Mm -hmm. I think this, or I think that, and they're speaking a certain way for it to go in a certain way.
0: Right. 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 We get, we get yeah, back to language, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. But they're relatively safe. I mean, they're relatively safe as long as they don't, I'll say ourselves, we're relatively safe. I think white women, as long as we don't become emotional. And that's, <laughs> that's really sad because our, you know, feelings are, are obviously valid, but we have to keep our feelings out of it and our emotions out of it. And we say, I think, I think this or I think that in order for it to go into the brain of a lot of men's you know, the awareness of a lot of, I don't want to generalize men either, but right. I've just, that's, that's my long answer to your, (laughs) (laughs)
0: in order to, in order to, we're safe, we're safe, but there's still hesitation. Right. So when, when you're thinking of that, that safety, but that, that minor hesitation, when I think of it, when I think of black women and our desire to be fully authentic and, and yet the many plethora of things that require us not to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It is, it is very difficult to say, well, we're just going to go in because, you know, we're not allowed. You say you're not allowed to, 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 to bring your emotions, we are definitely not allowed to bring our emotions. If you say something to us that hurts us, we are not allowed to be hurt. If you say something to us that makes us angry, we are not allowed to be angry. I I was talking to someone else and they were talking about authenticity and they were saying that the people who are most able to be their most authentic selves are those who do not need to worry about what anyone else is is thinking about them. And those tend to be the cisgender white males. You can say, well, I don't feel like doing this, or I don't feel like doing that. Um, they can say that, in, and it was a very specific conversation, but they can say that, whereas women and then Black women are, and you know, other marginalized women have to be very careful about what they don't feel like doing or what they don't feel like um, dealing with in certain situations having to do, you know, with, with business and being authentic. So for me, the question is always, am I being authentic when I'm putting myself out there? Now I'm a little different. I work for myself, right? I'm, I'm, I work for myself and I don't have to work with you if I don't like you. If I don't, if I don't even want to be bothered with you and I don't have to work with you, but that's not everybody's situation. That's not most people's situation. And, but there are also, there's also this fact and this idea that when I put myself out there, I do have to consider my audience. I always have to consider my audience and which, which Sadie do I bring? Now, if I have several Sadie's, does that mean that I'm not authentically myself in those several different ways? So, you know, those are the kinds of questions. Absolutely. My,
1: I have a question and that is, is there, am I wrong in thinking there's a growing appetite to hear black voices among formerly, cons, you know, like super traditional, like white, male environments. I mean, are are we seeing progress in that? Like, please tell me what you think. Please tell me. I mean, I know we were talking about emotions, but is there a shift occurring in the authenticity conversation? And I guess what I'm hearing, what I'm coming up with is that you can't have real authenticity without real inclusion, that the two go hand in hand. Otherwise it's a platitude. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, it is a platitude. And is there more of a question i'm not sure i'm not sure if more of our voices are asked to be heard or if we've simply decided that our voices need to be heard right and we're we're pushing to make our voices heard i don't know if that if if um i don't know which one it is yeah i do know that there are a lot more black voices being heard and likely listened to, but I don't know if it's because others are asking for it or if we're just saying, look, we really got to do something
1: here. Right. Yeah. I don't either. I think it's the former. Yeah. The the latter. Sorry. (laughs)
0: The latter. Yeah. We're like,
1: we're like, okay. Uh (laughs) I I was following a lot of people when the the dialogue got really loud and I thought, oh, wow, these people are working hard. I mean, they're having to stop everything in addition to raising families and having careers and keeping their fitness during a pandemic, you know, whatever everybody struggles last year during the year that we were having on top of all that, having to stop and explain what it really is like and how, you know, spark all these conversations. Right. You know, I think I have an exhausting day. You know, <laughs> it's like so. There's right. been a lot of monumental effort, I know, launched in that area, and hopefully the conversation won't end.
0: No, I'm it, I'm hoping yeah, it you know, doesn't.
1: Yeah, for me, like I didn't go that deep. That's why the conversation can't. It has to keep keep going. Yes. Until the last kernel of popcorn is popped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. For sure. So can you tell us a little bit different? What is the difference in your opinion between feminine and masculine leadership? Because I know, you know, I think I'm kind of going back around to where we talked about you saying that we need more feminine energy, more, you know, feminine leadership. What is the difference between the two?
1: as I understand it and have experienced the masculine leadership energy is more, uh, it tends to be more focused on, you know, an outcome or a process like efficiency. It's a little bit, I use the word compartmentalized quite a bit and that's a double-edged sword. It has a lot of benefit in the business world. It also has unintended consequences, but it's very stable. It is, somewhat less emotional and I think even if you take out the cultural programming it's still somewhat more you know stable in the nervous system if you will and it's so grounded kind of dense uh, kind of in a good way not necessarily negative and it's more resolute I think it the masculine energy takes in less information at the same time and is more sequential in the way it analyzes you know so it can lead to great results and it can be a great sounding board masculine energy is effective in a lot of ways feminine energy is more i I use the word holistic it's more it's intuitive it is it works on a realm that isn't necessarily grounded in newtonian physics it's kind of a it's like a nonlinear intelligence in a way. It's also tends to be more heart centered and compassionate, more forgiving or more quick to forgive <clears throat> sometimes. And I think that it is they're they're faster. I think feminine leaders are quit more quick to see things and move through things. They're not as slow. Uh, I think when I'm working with feminine leaders, things move, it's change management is a lot easier. And research shows that everybody from business students in college to other business types in the surveys, they would choose a female. Part of the glass cliff is they people choose females to turn around underperforming or crisis situations. And I think that's one of the reasons why is our velocity of being able to hold so much complexity in our minds at, at once and be able to function. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else about that? Yeah. So I would just leave it at that. We could go on, but.
0: Wow. That's interesting. You did also say before, you know, that we built, you know, things were built by the male and the masculine energy. And so now we need more of a feminine energy to kind of keep it going. Is that kind of what you, Well, is is that right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, this is so generalized. It's, it's, we're in the process of Really stereotyping and generalizing what happened, but right, right. In this culture in which we're sitting, in yes, this, you know, um, we have a lot of, you know, our our infrastructure, the way our government, everything is kind of built around a masculine, right, way of, of looking at things. The way organizations are, the stock market, et cetera, right. In my view, communities that were built from a feminine perspective. And if, if more and more women lean on their masculine energy, you'll see kind of community family start to kind of like, it'll start to decentralize and kind of, I think it'll start to erode a bit, you know, if we have, cause it's really nature is designed to be 50, 50, right. And if we're mm-hmm. talking about energy and not gender, then, you know, you can look and see kind of, do we have is 50% of how we're operating coming from that feminine perspective, we would have some changes to make if that were the case. And so mm-hmm. like all this conversation about inclusion to me as if it is, and please challenge me because I'm learning so much from you, but <laughs> in my past, I've seen it as a phenomenon of a feminine value. Let's say it's something that more feminine, more feminine figures than masculine would value that inclusion. And it would include men mm-hmm. who are in touch with or balanced. It would include balanced men as well. Yes. So, so yeah. Um, it's time to bring, it's time to start valuing the feminine and all feminine perspectives, as you've mentioned, mine or when we do that, we will restore, we will do a lot of healing. We will not, we won't lose our technology and our, our innovation and our infrastructure. There's a way to make it all work. And as you said, if we could get real about the cost, we would heal society so much faster. Right is you're going to pay for it one way or the other. I am a, yes, uh, I am a business kind of a libertarian type. Like I don't, I don't resonate with either. Let's say political party. I'm mm-hmm. I don't that, like, wow. So I'm, I'm a, a pro business, pro entrepreneurship individual. Mm-hmm. And um, what was I going to say? I, I lost my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs> Oh, I just totally lost it. I'll probably get it back in a minute, but it was something about um, healing our systems and bringing back you know using this this notion of balance to make the right decisions and understand the cost and make the make business decisions. people have been talking about conscious capitalism for a really long time, mostly in the context of the environment. It's not right. just the environment I mean why do we ha- why do we still have single use plastic <laughs> Like it's so ridiculous. I was on an airplane, um, and I was thinking, like, why are we? Why are we drinking out of cups yeah. that go away? Like, that's we're not thinking. You know, yeah. that's an example. So when we bring the feminine perspective in, we'll be solving things like that.
0: I guess is what I wanted to say. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think that you know, I think the feminine pers- perspective is necessary in, like you said, for that in order to bring that inclusion because a feminine perspective is always going to be, it tends to be more inclusive. Right. And again, it's, you know, it's, it's a little different throughout, you know, when you, when we consider, you know, I consider historically that, you know, we're going to talk about um, the balance historically speaking, when the enslaved people were doing what they were bought to do, unfortunately, um, that balance was 50, 50 male and female with the enslaved. They brought percent females. It no, when they were in their household, it was a 50, 50 type deal because Uh both, both people needed to be out in the field, working or doing their jobs. And then both people needed to be in the home doing what needed to be done at home so there was always a 50 50 balance within Mm. that dynamic which was not the case with of course the overseers or the owners right there was there was the 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 female was home taking care of home things and and those things and then the male was out doing those things so there's a very different history when you look at at that. When you when you look at it that way, the 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 enslaved, the black homes were also destroyed in that regard. And then the black woman had to take up more because the black male was so feared and treat and 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 taken out and 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 you know killed you know basically um so when we're talking about when we're talking about that feminine and 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 masculine energy and what it, what the balance would be if we could go back to that type of balance which is a balance that i think is foreign to western culture but if we could go back to that balance it would actually create a stronger society of sorts knowing, you know, I know full well that, you know, over the many years of socialization, you know, many of us are in the same, the same way, the same place. So it's kind of like, you know, males have a very male, very masculine perspective on what they're supposed to do, um, and who they're supposed to be. And, you know, and women kind of the same because they've been socialized that way as those things change as they become more 50 50 as you say I think that you're right in that there will be a there'll be more of a reckoning there'll be more of a healing there'll be more change but it's that part that's kind of taking a long time (laughs) right (laughs) to to, to, to get somewhere you know But it is definitely I can definitely see how that would be healing for sure definitely
1: I think we'll solve a lot of issues that we are unconscious of right now
0: yes we're we're conscious of a lot, but there you know we all there are so many blind spots we have we still have a lot of blind spots in knowing the true cost of the way things have evolved. We don't, we don't even know the true cost of what, of what you know, that is.
1: And we also tend, I, at least for what I've seen is people push it back further into history than it really was. If you look at generations, it wasn't that long ago.
0: Right. It's very interesting. You say that because I saw a post on Instagram, I think it was just a couple of days ago. And it said, "Normalize." color pictures of the civil rights movement because when you see pictures that are black and white push them further into history than when you see a color picture because a color picture lets you know that it was within your lifetime pretty much right Right. yeah so it says so it was like normalized color pictures of what happened versus the black and white television images that were shown because it was within our lifetimes. (laughs) You know, a lot of these people died within our lifetimes. A lot of the people who were part of that era died within the last 10 years. Yeah. Or they're still alive. Or they're still alive. right? Right. And so, yeah, it's an important, you know, and it's little things like that, that you don't think about that shape ideas and that shape the way people see things that ought to be challenged and ought to be brought to the forefront and and said oh yeah of course and it's a lot of those things that we don't even see because we're just not taught to see it we're not we're not socialized to see see yeah. That, yeah. right but the more we see them, he says, you know, you see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you know it, you can't unknow it. So you can't go back into the matrix. You can't go back into that la la land of, no, it's not like this. Once you see it and you actually see it, you, you you have to then do something about it. Yeah. Either you choose yes or you choose not to.
1: And just because the attempts in the recent past to remedy or to overcome these issues that we created as a society and how we kind of came together, just because they haven't all worked perfectly, doesn't mean that we should give up trying. It doesn't right. mean it doesn't mean that we should get jaded and say oh, we have to talk about this again. Yes, we have to talk about this again. That's like saying. When your child is six years old and they, you know, you're like, God, we went over this when you were three, you know, you just, right. we're, a society, we're a society and we are learning and growing and maturing. And we, yes, we have to circle back. Yes, we have to focus on this. And I don't know where we are in our maturity, but I see it accelerating relatively quickly. Hopefully. Yeah.
0: Hopefully. Yeah, and you're so right. That is exactly how it is. It's like, yes, we have to circle back. Yes, we have to, you know, I find myself saying a lot of the same things over and over again, but I also know that and and I find myself saying a lot of the things that I that other people have said. But I also know that we all resonate and we all learn differently. So we all can resonate with different people, right? I may be the person that some people can hear things from and listen to. And I may be the person that people are just so annoyed with and they don't want to listen to me. Right. And so the next person who's saying maybe the exact same thing I'm saying and they go, oh, well, you know, that person said and you like that's exactly what I said. But I get it. You resonate with the way they said it or who they are, whatever energy they're putting forth, you resonate with that and not me. And that's fine but we do have to keep saying it and we do have to put the message out there because we don't know who's going to resonate with it. And we don't know, we don't know what difference it's making. We just know that it's, it's got to do something. Yeah. And
1: and you and I have to come together. Like you, you might've seen my book and said, she's got a blind spot. We talk about it on a podcast. Then I go out now. I'm, I'm kind of a fractal energy for what you, your message, you know, like you're infusing different thing different so it's right. really really great and um, i'm hoping that you get a lot of exposure to your conversations with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you <wrote. laughs>
0: that was good. I loved it. Oh, i you know <laughs> i i'm hoping, you know, i I'm, I'm i'm pushing to get those things out. But yeah, i mean sometimes you do, you know, conversations we all have to have conversations with ourselves deprogram ourselves from some of the things that we've learned and ask and really dig deep and ask ourselves, why do I think that? Why am I feeling that? Why am I saying that? Why would I ask that of this person, but not of that person? Those conversations are so important because that's where That's where the change is. That's where the the money is, right? Someone else can give you information and inform you of something, but you're the only one who can know what you do with the information that you receive. Right. And so, yeah, you've, you've got to, you've got to have those conversations and then other conversations out loud and then get more information and then have more conversations, you know, within. So yeah. Do you mind if I borrow that, do you mind if I use that
1: conversations or so I'll, I'll give credit. I'll say <laughs> Sadie, but, and I, I have some questions I'd like you to ask yourself. I mean, that is brilliant. I, love it. I loved it. Please. Yes. It works for me. I'm glad you're teaching people.
0: Yeah. Oh, thanks. I, you know, I honestly, it's really funny you, you get to a place and you realize that this is your spot and then all of a sudden things just seem to come to that place it clicks yeah it clicks and you're just like wow i i how can i didn't find this like you know 15 years ago i mean but i you know it is what it is i think yeah. all, all things work as they should so is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would have liked for me to have asked, or is there anything that you would like to share? We have something
1: happening in our society right now where unemployment is up and it's up obviously disproportionately for races, uh, black race, you know, Hispanic and others. And women have been found and surveyed recently to, they're, they're more willing to change industries, go back to school, start a business, things like that. And I'm encouraging you, if you are somebody that has a lot of resilience and a lot of drive, and you have a message and you want to live a purpose, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a thought leader or a content creator online. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of us leaders, we want to do things. It's difficult to have an online business, you know, and if you, if that's your thing, then do it. But it also, you could also get into the nuts and bolts business, the furniture, but you know, the restaurant, whatever restaurants might be a bad idea right now. But there (laughs) are, there are, we need business to business, entrepreneurship, business to consumer. We need entrepreneurs right now. And if you think you have it in you, I'm encouraging you to learn how to build a team. And, you know, some businesses require financing and startup capital, some don't you can go about it by getting your first client first. That's how I did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, you know, I was very blessed, but especially if you're kind of a rainmaker type um, organizational animal, you know, I'm encouraging those who are listening. If you think you're an entrepreneur to go ahead and get started because with the advent of, you know, maybe inflation, I'm not sure, but with the advent of like robotics, artificial intelligence, corporate jobs are going to start to kind of narrow out and I invite you to find your niche and maybe look at starting your own business. So I'm encouraging, the reason I wrote the book is to encourage entrepreneurship and and you, anybody who's listening, you can design your organization around you and what's important to you and your clients.
0: Yes. I love that. Um, and we didn't even really talk about your book, did we? Okay. It's, it's... <laughs> we just summed it up. <laughs> we just summed it up and, yeah, that's... Well, I will definitely link it, put it in the show notes for everyone to know. <clears throat> but can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, what your business is?
1: I'm in the real estate related industry. So I have a land development company with a partner. We We create subdivisions for builders, which are in short supply where I live. And I've had a corporate housing company for about 25 years now. It was my original business when I left healthcare administration. And I've had, you know, coaching and consulting companies and, you know, I used to be a turnaround consultant and I I bought and flipped a manufacturing, a small, tiny manufacturing company, things like that. So I guess you could say I'm a serial entrepreneur, but focusing on um, business to business in the real estate space.
0: Okay, nice. So when you at, say for people to, you know, pursue their entrepreneurial uh, visions or dreams, uh, what would be your advice as far as the first steps that they can take in order to actually do that? I
1: like to, I like to earn. And so if For me, I'll talk about what I know. I like to find something that's not doing well, or there's a shortage of it, whether it's a business to business or like find what do you light up on? Like for me, I lit up on real estate, other people it might be software, other things find out what general product, you know, you light up on service industry, and then find out what is needed what is the government buying that they don't have enough of? What are people doing a sloppy job at? You know, what could you do a better job at? Like, how could you, and, and I like to find that need and then I like to fill it. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, and it, it sounds very simple and it's obviously a more complex topic than we can cover just in a little, right. Topic. That's, that's the general, you know, scope of what I, I have a colleague who started an app for the beauty business. And you know she came from that industry, and I think she's doing really well because she saw a need. You know, so it doesn't it doesn't have to be super innovative. You could sell paper clips as long as you do it better than anybody else. <laughs> that's that's right. right. It could be an innovation of the product, service, or the delivery. You know, yes. the level of service.
0: Yes, I agree with you, and I think that that's great advice. Definitely find yeah. something that lights you up and yeah. and the need for it, and and go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So the last question that I have for you that I ask all my guests because we are on diversity dish is what is your favorite dish? Ooh, favorite
1: dish. Interesting. I love, I love Italian food. Ooh. I love
0: pasta with seafood. That's my favorite. Oh, love it. Yes. And well, I- then I could ask you one more question. Yeah. When we are... Uh, over this pandemic and we are at a, the, a beautiful Italian restaurant having our pasta with seafood and we're celebrating, right? We're having some wine and we're just really excited about something. What are we excited about? Ooh,
1: that is an amazing conversation. We're activating our imaginations right now. <laughs> yes. Is, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, what are we celebrating? Hmm. We're celebrating that our work, our purpose got reached as many people as we would like it to to help people. You know, there's some, you know, audience size or you know, you've you've been asked to to make a difference. You you were recognized for causing a shift in that which we're passionate about. That's what I think. Something I very, yeah, something specific, a specific accomplishment. That you know for sure you made a difference. Yes, with a maybe. big number, big number, like a, let's just say a million people. Saw, read your article.
0: <laughs> yeah. My head might explode. I might never make it to dinner. <laughs> yeah. you know, talking about followers and likes.
1: I'm talking about you know they. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, Man, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for being on Diversity Dish. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. It's been
1: awesome. And I really enjoyed it. And it's really great to meet you. It's an honor.
0: Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, Please be sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, and share. It would also mean the world to me if you became a patron over at Patreon. The information is in the show notes. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.